BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. My next guest is the is the DJ for Public Enemy and Prophets of Rage. He's an incredible artist, and if you haven't seen him live in concert, you are missing out. He's DJ Lord. I want to welcome him to the Library of Tomorrow. Thanks, man, for joining me. What's up, guys? They bombing that list, balling that fist, raising that fist, like that, like that, like this, like this. I was, you know, reading interviews with you, watching interviews with you, um, and you're obviously, your influence in music is not just hip-hop music, it's all over. I mean, you even said during an interview that you would end a house party with Bob Marley's Could You Be Loved. Uh, first, why that track? And then secondly, how do you think your sound and has kind of influenced and your sets have influenced uh, the variety of music you listen to? That's a broad question, man. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been exposed to different music, man, from my uncles living in Savannah and then having those red light basement parties and sneaking down there smelling reefer, as they called it at the time. <laughs> and I was always around Bob, you know, sounds Bob Marley, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, Rick James, um, all, all, all the classics, man. All the classics. Marvin Gaye, onward. So I've always had uh, a Rolodex of sound in my head. Now, when I got of age and I started trying to figure out what are these songs and searching these songs and spinning these songs and, and DJ sets, especially on vinyl, when they, when, when they weren't easy to find, you know, most of it came from me just stealing my uncle's records and playing them. <laughs> Until I started scratching, and then they're going to ruin the record, and then they take it from me. But um, I've always had a, 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 you know, a plethora of music in my head, and I just apply it to adulthood. And as a DJ, I apply it in my sets. And if it's feel good music, you know, people will respond. Mm-hmm. You know, from what I've seen, and this is worldwide: black, white, green, polka dot, whatever color, whatever color, I mean, whatever race, whatever people respond to good music, you know, it's universal like a file. Mm-hmm. So I tried to go city to city, try different sets, you know, no sets the same. I'm not one of those DJs that's got to play the same set in, you know, Canada that I'll play in Spain because, you know, the vibe's different. So, right. you know, the crowd's going to be different. The energy's going to be different. So you read the crowd, you, you pull sets from what you read and ending a, Ending a, a crazy 
set that began at 78 beats per minute and ended at 120. Ending a set like that with like a Bob Marley "Could You Be Loved" to me is just like you know sealing the deal, putting the cap on it. You know, "Could You Be Loved" and and on this planet that's relative to all people. Mm. And you should see, <laughs> you should see the people singing it, man. Even if they don't speak a word of English, they know that song. Mm. They know that vibe. For me, it's this ending in unity, that type song. And what better way to do it than with a Bob Marley tune? I would miss out if I, you know, you're, you're obviously a DJ and you're, you, I would, I would have to ask you about, um, you know, vinyl and, and you, you even said, you're not, you're, you, you're one to embrace new technology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, first, why, why, why don't you mind using new technology? But then second, in terms of sound, is there a sound that vinyl is able to give you that the new technology isn't? And is there a sound, is there a sound that new technology is able to give you or you've discovered that vinyl kind of isn't able to give you? Number one, there's nothing like vinyl. There's nothing like the analog sound of vinyl. You know, that warm sound, that crackly sound. You're not going to get that with digital. With digital, you're going to get the clarity. You're going to get the punch, you know, but that's another thing. But as far as like keeping that classic sound, you know, vinyl is the winner. And I'm a, I'm a diehard vinyl fan. You know, I came up on vinyl and I learned some of my craziest, some of my craziest nights practicing were on vinyl. Some of my craziest ideas were created on vinyl. But technology is here, and um, you either get with technology, you'll get left behind like the dinosaurs, and we all know what happened to them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's a reward to be able to transition into digital. <laughs> it's fucking great, man. When you talk about new technology, I, I think what also comes up is the um, kind of how, quote unquote, I guess, easy it's become, right, to become a, a DJ or become like a, oh, a, yeah, a producer. Yeah. producer. But, what, but what I think what's left behind in the conversation is that, and, you know, I mentioned at the top, or you even talked about the, the, the your, your musicality and the, the knowledge you have of music and the selection process. Um, so in today's world, can we seriously take a, uh, can we, can we call, uh, someone under a certain age, a DJ, if they don't have that music knowledge or can someone technically be, or, 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 or is it okay to call them a DJ if they don't have that amount of music knowledge? Tricky. Nowadays, everyone calls himself a DJ as, as you can, as you've seen, everyone's a DJ all of a sudden. You know, you get iTunes, the whole, you know, a gazillion songs, and all of a sudden, hey, I'm a DJ. No, you're not. You know, it takes it takes more than just having a crazy collection of, of music to be a DJ. You have, you, have to low, you have to pay your dues, number one, and you have to do the work. You have to know how to read the crowd. You have to know how to select. You got to have the skill set. There's much more than just having songs and being a DJ. So, no, you can't. You don't jump up and get... Toronto and all of a sudden, you know what? I'm a DJ. I'm going to get gigs and you know pull a Paris Hilton, <laughs> pull a Paris Hilton, and then take over the world. It's just not happening, man. You may be a DJ for the at your house in front of your drunk friends or whatever, fighting, <laughs> but you're not a DJ, dude. And the keepers of the realm won't allow you to <laughs> to exist for too long with that. There's a lot of cats that you know 
guarding the realm with that one. Um, you, we, you talk about how, yeah, I mean, part of being a DJ is, you know, reading the crowd and knowing the music. And, and I, I can't help but think, um, DJs also, they, they're, they're saying something with their music, with their sets, with, you know, their scratches. Uh, you're obviously famously part of, uh, Public Enemy and Prophets of Rage, two groups, political group, you know, it could be seen as quote unquote political groups, right? Uh, would you, how how does your your role as the DJ in these two groups? How do you support the political message, and then how are you kind of giving off your own message by the music you play or the samples or the scratches you make? Like Terminator X, speak with his hands. Yes, <laughs> I speak with my hands, <laughs> and um, it may be a sample. It may be it may be a, a phrase or something that that I may put together that's cut from different songs or different artists, like a Chuck and a, and, a, and a back, you know, and a Big Daddy Kane or something like that 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 says the phrase for me. But it's basically putting out the message mm. through my hands. Like it'd be like uh, like say we go and fight the power line, and I'll cut That's cutting out there. We're hearing that, right? That's going to someone's brain, right? That's that's a subliminal message, you know. So I do that my way. So that's my voice, you know. I, I'm on the microphone as far as my my solo sets and everything, but it's not it's not for it's not for lyrical content. It's for greeting the crowd, pumping the crowd up, keeping the crowd going, making an announcement, talk shit, pump the crowd, making an exactly. The music itself is what I'm trying to get to the people. And I'm just like, well, you know, I'm not going to be one of those DJs that tell you I'm not. I don't play play songs that curse or. Mm. that have some kind of derogatory in the club thing, but you better you better you better know that eighty percent of my set is meant to get in your brains on on an uplifting level. Speaking of someone who uh, who who you currently worked with, uh, who gets people thinking a lot lyrically, uh, Cool Keith. Um, oh wow! On the new okay. al- on the new album Afterburn, he's you know he's part of the first track Ego Force. Uh, can you kind of first talk about that track and how? That came together, and um, the just the music music part of the track, your part of the track. What were kind of the I don't know the musical influences going into that track? Ah, uh, let's see. Where do I start? Cool Keith. Always been a fan of Cool Keith, even when I first started DJing in Savannah. Um, I was always following Ultra Magnetic. Have all the you know all the tunes. I had the mixtapes back in the day from, you know, 98.7 KISS FM, that Red Alert cut up, Chuck Chill Out cut up. Um, fast forward to current days. I had a birthday party in Atlanta at my residency, Final Fridays at MJQ, Final Fridays. And I figured it'd be dope to without the cool key because I would always see him on the road with Public Enemy. Actually, we hung out in London one late night, three, four in the morning, popping bars. We would always see each other on the road. And I always, it was my dream to do a song with Cool Keith. Always. So, you know, we exchanged numbers and I finally reached out to him to ask him to, you know, 
come perform at my birthday party. And he agreed. Mm, nice. And he came out, man, and I picked him up from the airport, and we were kicking it, and, you know, our chemistry was there, and we clicked. Clicked so much that we we went shopping. We went to Dillard's. Our thing now is going to Dillard's and buying Oxford's, tonight, the ones that's on sale. That's <laughs> <laughs> like 10 bucks. We do that. We go to Dillard's. You know, Dillard's is a down south thing. So when he comes here, we go straight to Dillard's and, you know, get down and we go get dinner or something. But he agreed to do the party. We hung out. And, I, you know, I ran an idea past him, man. What do you think about, you know, doing the collab, man? I'm, I got this song called, I, it wasn't it wasn't called Eagle Force. I got this track you know, made by my man 3PO, who's my homie here. Mm-hmm. You know, we make, we make music together. And, um... He's like, I'm down. Send me the track. And I sent him the track before he got on the plane. I took him to the airport. He had the track. And he wrote it before he even landed. Jeez, wow. Yeah, his hence for Eagle Force flying over the Air Force. So he wrote it up there, <laughs> still high off of our weekend, you know, of us doing, we, we tore Atlanta up, mm-hmm. first of all. And uh, he let me hear it. And I was like, oh, man, that's it. That is it. And since it's a studio, he cleaned it up. I um, added the scratches to it. And this is what we got, Eagle Force. Oh, damn. This is how it came to be, just like that. Just like that. And it was like it was like a, a tornado, man. Because, you know, when those opportunities happen like that, you got you to gotta jump on them. You got to seize them. And we jumped on it and made it happen. Big shout out to 3PO. Big shout out to Keith. And hell, man. We got more to come. <laughs> so, so, speak, so you know, uh, speaking of obviously cool kids, incredible MC, no doubt. You know, there's no argument there, right? But mm-hmm. for me, cool Keith is that that MC that I'm constantly stopping and googling like crazy because <laughs> lyrics are going over my head, and then I feel like, am I just I don't know, I don't know what's happening. Uh, same, the club. <laughs> same thing with Eagle Force. I feel like same thing. Um, uh, when you're, you know, you, as mentioned, you're, you're, you work with, um, Public Enemy and Prophets of Rage. So these are lyrics that are, um, are easier to, you know, they're obviously they're not, they're complicated lyrics, but easier to understand. Um, yeah. so to say, um, when you have an MC like a cool Keith, uh, where you might yourself be Googling like crazy to see what the hell he's talking about. Um, how does that work for you in terms of, I guess, supporting, be, being the, the, the DJ and supporting kind of his message uh, in on the track if you might not know what the, he's exactly talking about? <laughs> At this point, man, who, 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 who knows 100% what Keith is talking about in 2018 <laughs> after all this time I owe man? He came out going over people's heads. Right. That was the thing back in the day. He was, he was, before people were using big words, you know, on purpose and all that, he was using big words. So he had me going to the thesaurus way back, back in high school. Mm. Okay? So I, I developed an ear for Cool Keith's lyrics. So decipher them now in 2018, that's nothing for me. I spent all my time, <laughs> I spent all my years figuring this guy out. Chasing and trying to figure it out. You know, man, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I was... I would write down the lyrics and recite them in, in battles like they were mine. <laughs> cool Keith lyrics from Ultramagnetic. Well, I'm a revolutionist. Let's give the next to it through my intellect while another professor my information. 
control identity. I'm John Doe. As far as you can see, we're known as terrorists. We're armed and dangerous running committees, connecting cities to cities and overseas. So one click of a breeze into a meeting. Who does that? <laughs> who, who does that? That's old, old keys, okay? That's way back. And me hearing that, like, what in the fuck is he talking about? You know? Right. So I was deciphering those lyrics way back, man. So now it's, it's, it's not, I mean, some of the stuff he still goes over my head. Okay. Even if he's eager for it, it's not 100%. Don't, <laughs> don't quote me. He's it's not 100% I understand, but I get it. You know, I'm at the point where I get it. So, but to, I mean, to keep up with the, with an MC Cool Keith, man, a black Elvis or a Drosticon, you have to have a certain mindset. Man. So don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad. You're not alone <laughs> in that fight. Does does that kind of like I mean with with someone's um so I I, I don't know if it's a nice term ly- lyrically complicated like Cool Keith does that kind of force you to kind of step up your 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 game and as a DJ yeah. in terms of like yeah. being a little more complicated or a little more elaborate in your routine. Yes, indeed. Even the scratches on our, on, on Eagle Force. It, it, I wanted to come, you know, the, 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 the tempo of the scratches weren't, they weren't like, how can I say it? Hmm. I had the word for it before I, mean, I had it in my head, but like the first one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's on beat, off beat, on beat, off beat. Mm. Similar to how his rhyme flow is. And of course, that's an influence of me listening to him and his lyrics. You know, I could easily went, you know, straight into it, but I wanted to bounce it just like his lyrics were going. His lyrics were laid back. I wanted them to make the scratches laid back. Mm. His lyrics were bouncing left and right, like bobbing and weaving. I wanted to make the scratches bobbing and weaving. 3PO got it. The track does the same thing. So all of us are in this spaceship <laughs> bobbing and weaving and under it and attacking and evasive action. And it's lovely. Mm. What is your? Uh, I was. This is going to be the, my question about Eagle Force. And you, you obviously mentioned you scratch in the middle of it. What is just in general? What is your kind of your overall favorite thing about the scratch? About which scratch? This. I mean, just scratching in general. I mean, not not any particular scratch, but uh, mm-hmm. just doing it, uh, doing it during a live show, during it for an album. Ah, because it's it's, it's my expression, mm. you know, and expressions change, so. Every time I'm, I'm hearing a new beat or a new crowd or a new vibe, you know, it's, when it's time for me to express myself through my hand, I try to come different. Try to come in a way that, you know, represents the moment, represents the energy at the time. Are these, when you do live, are they, uh, are these, are they planned out? Um, of course uh, not. <laughs> I knew <Of> it. <laughs> Of course not. I mean, unless it's a song that goes a certain way, but even that, I I I I change it up a little bit. Like, say the battle between Tom and I on uh, "Hail to the Chief." Right. You know, they go a certain way. You know, him for a certain amount of bars, me for a certain amount of bars. But I'll make change it a little bit. You know, the intricate changes here and there. 
And, you know, DJ heads know, you know, they, they'll hear it. You know, the average, oh, that's not where the song goes. But they won't hear that I came in earlier. Mm. Or I, 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 I dragged out the, the, to the very end, or I put another, put a, a chirp here, or I put a flare there, or a crab where it's supposed to be like a stab. You know, that's the whole, that's the whole thing of keeping it fresh, man. That's how you, that's how, that's how you live. <laughs> if you ask me, it doesn't, it doesn't get stale. It's never a dull moment. When I saw you at the uh, when I saw Prophets uh, at the Apollo and uh, mm-hmm. Living Color opened, and I think oh you were there, That's dope. yeah, it was, and I've never seen Living Color before, and that was just an incredible show itself. Um, yeah. But then your opening, I was just like, all right, I got my money's worth. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the, obviously the rest of the show was great, but just to watch the opening of um, of what you did, I'd, I'd never seen it before, and I kind of was like, oh, this is kind of incredible you, stuff. I cannot you, stuff I cannot was- do ever. <laughs> That was fun. That was a fun night. And I always, I, I, and playing in the Apollo, mm. I always love that. That's a, that's a whole other kind of respect for me. You know, all the greats that's played there before me, legends, and everyone that's great that stage and energy in the building and being in New York, period. You know, that's a whole level of, it's a whole other kind of energy. So when it's time for you to go on, you you got to bring it. Mm. Is your, the beginning of the set, or for you, is it, how much of it is, I guess, crowd energy based? Or do you feel that your job is to get the crowd's energy up? Yeah, that's my job. That's why they pushed me out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the fucking experimental hamster. <laughs> like, oh, fuck this, get the fuck out of here, They send me out there, and, you know, but tomato cans or freaking bananas or whatever the crowd's going to do. It's my job. It's my job to get them in the mood for what's coming. You know? And if I'm whack, guess what? They're going to show me. They're gonna, the crowd's going to tell you you're freaking whack. You know? My job is to get them hyped for what's coming. Get them hyped for profit. Mm. Profit is to take them, take the, you know, take the baton and take the ball and slam the ball. My job is to get them in the mood and if I'm not in the mood, the crowd's not going to get in the mood, and we got a big problem. <laughs> so that comes with reading the crowd, man. You can't get up there. I tell DJs and, you know, even the, and the people I, I tell DJs, I tell friends of mine, I tell people in general, MCs as well, if you're warming up the crowd, you better bring it. There's no, there is no... There is no, oh, I had a bad set anymore. It's the digital age. Right. You know, back back in the day, back, at least back in the day, you, were, you if you did a wax set, all right, say for instance you did a wax set, you had the flu. You know, there's been plenty of times, plenty of wax sets I've done back in the day. I had the flu, whatever, tour life, you know, just beat down. At least the only people that witnessed you doing a wax set were the people there. Nowadays, <laughs> Not on video. before you even get to your hotel room, you'll set is posted online <laughs> with like a thousand hits before you even get to your hotel room. You know, so the digital age is a gift and a curse that goes back to you got to bring it. You got to bring it. Whether you got the flu, whether you got your legs falling off, you got ran over by a car, it doesn't matter. Bring it. So what, two questions, what, what, what has been the, the best thing that's ever happened to you during a set and what has kind of been the worst thing that's happened to you during a set? Huh. The best thing that's happened to me during a set is, huh. 
I would say the best thing that happened to me doing a set is the crowd feeling is, is feeling some new music that I dropped that I wasn't feeling myself. You know, you know there are times where you're where I second guess myself or I overthink. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot, and it was one of those times I was on tour. I think Australia, which you know, I love Australia. I was overthinking the set because I was trying some new things and trying to. This was when I was just getting to the point of comfort of playing the mashup set, they call it. Mm-hmm. You know, they call it now. I just call it just playing music. They call it mashup, whatever. And I was just getting comfortable doing that, you know, going from this, going from classics, doing from this to hip hop to rock, da 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 da. And I was, you know, I, was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't 100%. But the crowd got into it like no other. I mean, from crowd surfing to everything to even the one in encore. Oh wow. So that would be that would be, uh, that would be the best thing because I was like, man, this is where I don't know what I'm doing. I should stick to the record. That was one of the times second guessing, overthinking. I should stick to doing this and just do a hip hop set and just let it go from that and be done and then go and then sit down and then read drunk or some get you know, that kind of thing. Anything be heard to get off stage. And I said, you know what? We're gonna do this and fuck it. Jump in just like Jumping in the cold pool, scared to jump in. Finally jumped in. The water was great. Um, so the worst time on the stage dealing with the crowd, having technical difficulties in the beginning um, when I was learning Serato, mm. the learning curve of Serato, which I'm sure so many DJs have that story as well. I've seen it. It's happened to me, you know. Because making the transition coming from, you know, diehard vinyl guy mm-hmm. to uh, digital to technology, it, it's, it, it's, it's not easy. It wasn't easy for me. And I, you know, I, I went down fighting. I went down refused to get to Rado at one point. I was I'm going uh, to carry records and that, records and, and that's, that's when the misconception, please quote me on this, the misconception that Serato DJs for you was running rapid in the DJ community. So a lot of people were hating on it. Mm. Hating on it off the top, not even knowing. So somehow I, you know, I said, I'm going to stick with vinyl. You know, diehard vinyl, rumor on vinyl, and vinyl and sound, and analog, and scratches, and old school, and scratch, and flash, and run, you know, run, that's the whole hip-hop mantra, okay? <laughs> so, I went to, I think I did a show in Boston, it was me and the DJ Revolution. Both were headlining, and I come in with my nice silver and nice silver flight cases full of records, and we're headlining, mind you. The opening guy played about eighty percent of my <laughs> of my record collection, and he had Serato. <sighs> yeah, disaster. Luckily, I was able to, you know, finesse it and do some tricks and you know extend my time and bring the bring the beat back. Yo, have a good time. Looking at the clock. Start it over again. Yeah, what? And do you know my skill set took over then. So. I was able to showcase more than let music play. Uh, and that okay. saved my ass. So the next morning, I called up Serato. <laughs> <laughs> I love your product, man. You, you guys doing endorsements? And I have my hat in my hand. And I haven't looked that since. You know what I mean? I mean, I still have my, I still go digging. Mm-hmm. I still have my diehard vinyl collection, looking at it right now. 
but all the extra promo copies and all the bunch of cool stuff I used to have that I had, you know, storage storage full of crates and crates of that stuff. Man, it's gone. I gave you know, donated to Goodwill, donated what we have to Salvation Army. Mm. Uh, so that was that. That's that's my. Did I, did I answer the question about the horror story? My, my horror story. Yeah, no, that was the yeah. The horror story was having technical difficulties with Serato once I got it. That was my horror story in, in front of the crowd because it forces you to become a nerd. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to, you know, admit that, but it forces you to become a nerd because you have to learn about CPUs and compute, you know, computer data usage and things like that, and you have to know your equipment mm-hmm. and. In the beginning, a lot of people couldn't afford Macs, including me. You know, so the PC route, I'm talking the basic PC route or just any computer, because I wasn't computer savvy. You know, you got a computer? Okay, I need it. I need to run this program. Who knows if you have viruses or porn viruses? Who knew what was going on? I just needed a computer, you know, and most times it didn't go crazy until you got up on that stage in front of a whole bunch of people who don't care if you're trying some new technology and you want to try Serato, they just want the party to keep on going. But lo and behold, your computer's frozen and you don't know what to do. And now you've got the pinwheel of death <laughs> and you can't stop it on the Mac. You know, you don't know what to do because you just got this program two weeks ago. So I've had those stories. I've had a few of those horror stories, you know, starting with Serato and you just have to go through them, man, to learn it. And now again, I say to every DJ out there, Serato is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Shout out to Serato. <laughs> uh, this is a this is more of a this this is a what if question, but this is also a um like a, this could be part of a horror story type thing. So you, you so you don't have Serato, you only have your vinyl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you're flying out to I don't know, if, I don't know let's say a, a place in to do a set in California. Yeah. Um, airlines lose your, or they don't lose. They, your, your vinyl collection does not make it to California except two. That's happened. Except that's two. Happened. Oh shit. Okay. Well, yeah, that's happened. I'm glad you brought that's happened in Australia. But the, so the entire vinyl collection was not there. Gone, gone, so, gone, gone. So what do you do? Well, I got with the front order. We went out to the, the, the nearest record store. I wish I could remember the name of it. It was in Sydney. And we, I had to buy a whole bunch of records over again before my set that night. Wow. Jet lagged and everything. How many records do you buy? I think I bought at least 500 U.S. dollars worth of vinyl. And I had a few friends in there that were lending me pieces as well. So I was able to put together a set. And of course, they found the vinyl two days later. So now I got quadruple copies of these records now. <laughs> yeah. It happens. What are you going to do? It's crazy. The show must go on. And you're buying freaking imports that are like 12, 12 US dollars each and you need doubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of shit. I, I wasn't balling, you know. That's crazy. I, I'm not a baller, man, but the show had to go on and I mean, what are you going to do? You booked. Right. It's not the promoters' that, you know fault that the airline messed up. The airlines give you what a fifty dollars gift certificate or something right, right. for your <laughs> for your trouble. You just, just spent five hundred 
Aussie dollars or uh, US dollars. So, what if you if that happens and let's say only two pieces of vinyl, uh, or four, so two 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 of the same records twice, mm-hmm. uh, make it. Um, are there two pieces of vinyl that you could, uh, or you would be able, you think would be able to kind of do a set with, like, um, what, and which records would you think that would be? I could do a set with any two, uh, any any two. I could do a set with one record. <laughs> is there? A pre- I mean, is there a preference of what, which record it would be? I mean, if, you mean like a like a showcase? It won't be a set. A set. A showcase. Yeah, yeah, not a set. Like a showcase. Uh, two. Do, 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 James Brown, funky drummer. How about that? Yeah. That's not a bad. That's not a bad record. You can flip that so many ways, and you're gonna get the people up, and you can bring it back, and you got James on there. Yeah, funky drummer. One, two, three, four. Hit it. Nice. So I have three questions left. Uh, one from me. Uh, what is okay? Real quick. What is your the absolute okay? The absolute. What's your absolute favorite thing about being a DJ? But also, what's the absolute favorite about uh, the live show versus you know you just put out the album Afterburn and and doing an album. Mm-hmm. What are the, what are your two favorite things about the live show and then also the album? Oh, uh, the 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 one thing about favorite thing about a live show is that it's ever changing, and um. It's, it's just that it's live. So you, the improv of it is, you know, is what gives me a rush. So I, I, I love the live element of it. Um, the part about having a performing a record is, you know, letting the crowd have it and seeing their reactions mm. and, and perform, actually performing the song, getting down with the actual song. Cause there's one thing, Recording a song. It's a whole other thing performing a song. And then, like, like, you know, like Chuck D said, either do the song or the song will do you. Mm. And there's a lot of people that make a dope studio recording, dope studio recording, but get up there live and it just runs out of gas. You know, they don't, they don't necessarily know how to do the song. They don't project the song. They don't believe the song. My thing is make the people fucking believe the song. Mm. Make the people feel the song. It's amazing. So you hear that song, you, know, you see me performing that song, that song's hitting you in the chest. Right. So, so is that, not many people, not many people have mastered that. Um, and my last two questions, they're from my kids. Uh, they, uh, they, they, I told them I was talking to you today. They had a, uh, here wants to know, do you read Dogman comics and Captain Unknown Pants comics? <laughs> do I read what? Dogman comics. It's a comic book. I don't know. It's <laughs> and uh, Captain Underpants. Captain. <laughs> I've read Captain Underpants. All right, so that's good. And then, and then, Emmy just simply asks, uh, "Where are you going? Where am I going?" That that's that that was her uh, her hard hitting question. Nice. Upward and onward. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I have to ask, uh, what's next for you? I mean, you have this album out. Are you touring with the album or uh, continuing touring with uh, Public Enemy and Rage? And Prophets right and Rage? now, right now, what's up with me? We're working on Monsters Volume 3 with uh, Peyote Cody. Big shout out to Peyote Cody. 
Um, and hopefully some more solo gigs before Prophet gets back in gear. I think Prophet's going to be touring, if not, you know, December. We're going to start fresh in 2019. In the States so, or over, overseas? Um, we're not, we're not doing yet because we're working on, we're working on the second album as well. Nice. So there's a lot, it's a lot going on. So we got Prophet's new album. We got, uh, Mars State Volume 3. Um, I think I got to lay some scratches for Mike Redman. He just sent me a track I got to listen to. And of course, 3PO and I are back in the lab because we got to do a follow up for, you know, follow up after this Afterburn album. Mm. Uh, more weird shit, more crazy scratches. That's incredible. Uh, more head crushing music. <laughs> yeah. He's a DJ Lord. He's a DJ for Public Enemy and Prophets of Rage. A new album, Afterburn, an incredible album. Also, if you ever get a chance to see him live, do it. It's an amazing show. Even if you stay for the first 10 minutes, you'll, it'll be worth your money. Uh, <laughs> DJ Lord, thank you so much for joining me in the library with Tim Heineken, man. Thank you. No worries, brother. Thanks so much for having me. Space cruising at warp light speed. Apollo Creed, American Greed. Counting T minus the highest. Speedometer, car built with Yamaha monitors. Emergency metal cabinets for the hypochondriacs. The spectrum city is back. Eagle Force, flying over the Air Force. Eagle Force, flying over the Air Force. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.